0: You know, before we got married, I can remember my wife and I sitting, no, my wife-to-be and I, you've <laughs> been wife for 19 years, it's hard to say, my, my wife-to-be, we sat together and we talked about what was important to us. Did you do that before you got married? And we sat down and we talked about what goals we thought were important. And we had the goal to serve the Lord. We wanted to have a Christian marriage. We wanted to get financially established before we had children. We thought that was wise. We were going to wait five years
1: to have children. Thank you. (laughs) So we could be financially established.
0: We wanted to have a home and live in a country setting. And we wanted our home to be a happy home. Those sound like good goals? We talked about these things before we got married. They sounded to us like good goals. Then we began to get involved in church work. We thought that we needed to be serving God. That was our first goal. So when we got married, we began to serve God. We got involved in all kinds of outreach and Bible studies and doing Revelation seminars. We got involved as Sabbath school leaders, in-gathering leaders, social committee leaders, church elder. In fact, it was very difficult for us to not get involved when we were asked to get involved by the nominating committee. But you know, we really didn't understand some of those goals that we had set and how to accomplish them.
1: You know, we had the goal of buying our first home. Do you remember that? What it was like saving up to get enough to have a down payment to buy your first home. And before we were married, we decided we wanted to live in the country because, as we studied and read, we knew that would be the best place to live. But when we got married, we couldn't we couldn't afford a home, and so we bought we had a rental, and it was sort of in the country. But we found that it was. Um, a long distance to commute to our employment. And you know how the devil is good at getting us all involved in just life to go on and on and on and be caught up with everything the way everybody else does it and get so involved in these activities and our work responsibilities and our social outreaches that when we finally had enough money to purchase our first home with a down payment, you know our home ended up being in suburbia because our minds were so influenced by the way everybody else was doing things and the only way we understood and we came to realize that even though we really weren't in the country driving in that rental home we found that we had so little time together that that certainly couldn't mean that we really had to live in the country because we thought we wouldn't have any time together at all and then about uh, a year and a half later, after we were married, we had our first child. There's another one of our goals that we had set that had changed, and little Allison was a delight. And so our goals changed again, and I decided, we talked about when we had children, that I would be home with our, to raise the children. And so I removed myself from my full-time employment and just worked every other weekend as a nurse, and thought I was doing what God was asking me to do by staying at home. But I want to emphasize what I mean by that. I was at home in body. I was at home physically, and I took care of my little children, Allison and then Emily came along. But I wasn't there in spirit. I didn't understand what it means to really invest ourselves as mothers to our children. So I basically was a good care provider and and. You know, making sure they were clean and, and fed well and they had a nice environment to live in, but I didn't really spend much time with them.
0: I think it's important to, to emphasize that while we had goals, those goals were not founded on Jesus Christ. Now, that may sound strange, but we didn't understand that at the time. We were making goals just the way you make goals in the church in the mainstream of things. We didn't really understand how to allow God to work in our lives, to have Christ as a personal Savior. And so consequently, our goals eroded away and we got involved in the fast pace of life. We got on the merry-go-round and we were going faster and faster and faster until one night. It was a Friday night. The only occasional quiet night when we didn't have lots of other things to do. And so here we were on a Friday night with just Allison and Emily. We didn't have Josiah then. A Friday night sitting by our fireplace. And the Lord brought a question to my mind. It wasn't anything to do with the conversation that we had of course, I didn't really recognize the Lord was bringing this to my mind. But I turned to my wife and I said, Honey, what is the most important thing you can accomplish in this life? Do you remember that question?
1: Most definitely. Now you think about that question right now. If your husband, wives, was to turn to you and say, Honey, what's the most important thing that you can accomplish in this life? Reflect on that question for a moment. That's what happened to me that night. And fathers and husbands, you think about that question in reverse. Because while I am very quick to answer, and I had my goals, my professional goals that I had outlined, my degrees, certification, advancement in my profession, that night, that question struck home to my heart, a mother's heart. And I praise God for that. I praise God that He knows how to reach into our hearts to really dig out that yearning and that longing that He has put there for Him. Because as I sat quietly and contemplated that question, and I thought back over my interaction with my children that evening, realizing that now, I, that evening, you know, I was a bit more involved. You know what I mean, mothers? Where you're more attentive to your children, you're, you're restful enough, and you're, you're relaxed enough that you can really see and hear and enjoy your little children. That's what happened that night. And my thought, this was what came to my thoughts. I looked at Tom and I said, Honey, to see our children in the kingdom of God.
0: Amen. And then I got silent. Because I really didn't expect. I wouldn't have been surprised if my wife might have said, well, I've been thinking about getting my master's degree in nursing. That's not because my wife was not a dear wife and a committed wife, as best she understood it. But I didn't expect that kind of an answer. And that's partly because... I didn't generate the question that night. It's all right. God put that in our hearts. The mercy and the love of God put mm-hmm. that in my heart to ask that question. And so I stopped and I thought for a moment and I said to my wife, Honey, if that's what we really want, then something's got to change in our lives. And from that night forward, brothers and sisters, God began to open our eyes because now we were willing, we were ready to see that we had a need. Before that time, we were so involved in doing good things that we weren't taking time to recognize our need. And that night, I'll never forget it, we knelt down with our two little girls in their footy pajamas. We knelt down with them between us And we clasp our arms around each other. And I prayed a prayer that I've never forgotten. I said, Lord, I will go anywhere. I will give up anything. I will do whatever you ask me to do. If we can hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And see the crown of life placed upon the heads of our children. And brothers and sisters, we have never turned back. From that commitment that night. And I praise God that He has wooed us and drawn us in our mistakes and failures, and He has never let us go through that process. But, friends, we need to make decisions. That night, God began to take the scales off of our eyes as husbands and wives. That night, He helped us to see our children as we had never seen them before. And we began that night to set eternal goals. Amen. Eternal goals so that we have never turned our backs on.
1: We're going to be sharing with you today those goals. We want to talk about the importance of having common goals in the marriage. You know, many marriages today... It is shocking to know that husband and wife come together in marriage and they have no goal set at all. you believe that? It seems almost ridiculous, but it's true. Or there's many who have goals, but they were often like ours, kind of generic, I'll call them generic goals, nebulous. Oh, yes, we want to serve the Lord. And so that's a good goal, and that is still our commitment today. Beyond serving the Lord, we want to come to know the Lord first. But sometimes our goals are very vague. They're very nebulous. And we find that we begin in the marriage relationship and we begin to drift through our lives as husband and wife. And we find ourselves not having the same direction, not having the same understanding, not having the same motivation, not having the same goals. Because we haven't taken the time to sit down and practically say, what goals would God have us set in our home to have our home be a little heaven here on this earth? We want to talk about those common goals today.
0: You know, sometimes we can think that Attending church and being involved in church programs is synonymous Mm -hmm. with serving God with our whole heart. They aren't synonymous, friends. God began to show us that before we can serve him with our whole heart, we must seek him with our whole Mm -hmm. heart. Because it's not until we seek him, and it's unfortunately, it's not until we recognize our need of him that we begin to seek him. Is that right? And we can be serving Him or we think that we are serving Him even before we have our need of Him and before we've honestly begun to seek Him. Now, He's been seeking us, hasn't He? As our shepherd, He goes out looking for His lost sheep. But we came to recognize that we need to seek God before we try to serve Him.
1: This seeking that we came to discover we were lacking. You see, I I thought back on the children of Israel. Because all I knew in serving God was to do all of these programs. You understand what I mean? And I thought back on Israel of old. They were good at attending church. They were good at producing programs. But they missed the Savior of the world. And God spoke that to my heart. To seek God means that, yes, we can participate in those, those activities, but we need to seek Him personally. That's what was lacking in our lives. That's why our goal, our, our initial goal before we were married of serving the Lord was being eaten away by circumstances because we had not understood that serving God meant to seek Him in a very personal and practical way. That night on our knees, God brought it to our thoughts and to our hearts that we were not seeking Him. That He wanted us to come and to seek Him with our hearts, with our whole hearts. We weren't taking any time for God in the day. We were doing all of God's work without ever spending any time with God other than a quick devotional and a quick prayer and off into our busyness of life. And so Tom and I, that night on our knees... We made a decision, as God put it in our hearts, that to seek God and to serve Him meant that we needed to come to know Him personally every day. And we began to, we made the decision and the commitment as husband and wife to spend time every day in personal devotions to God.
0: One of the first things that happened to us after our eyes began to open was that it was going to be ten times harder Now, this didn't happen overnight. I don't want to give that impression, but we don't have time for the whole story. If you want to hear the whole story of how God moved us from the city to the country, you can find that in the Country Living series. But God began to show us that it was going to be ten times harder to really come to walk with him in the environment, in the intensity of the pace that we were in. And so God began to uproot us, if you will, and over a period of time, we found ourselves moving from the city suburban lifestyle into a quiet country setting. And you know one of the first things that God revealed to us as husband and wife. It's kind of interesting. When we moved out to the mountains of Montana, I had this impression that my wife was always she was always spending her time with God. It was a real rebuke to me because I was so busy doing the Lord's work, that I'd come home too late, too tired, and I'd just barely get out of bed, have a quick prayer, might read a devotional page. Okay? This is how the work's being carried on today, brothers and sisters. If you knew what's going on in the lives of many of the people that are out there winning souls, they have no time for God. Mm-hmm. Did you know that? You do know that because you know that even though you may not be out there winning souls per se. Even in your lives, you have so little time for God if you're not carving it out. Am I right? right. Because the devil is intent on crowding God out of your lives, Mm -hmm. regardless of how much you know. One of the first things I saw was that my wife was insecure and weak in her Christian experience. We found out that she was thinking I was the strong spiritual leader because I was the one standing up in front of the church, 1,300-member church at personal ministries, telling people what they needed to do. But was I doing it at home? No. Not because I was a hypocrite, friends. And I want to make this very clear to each one of us. I don't think there are many hypocrites out here today. You've made a commitment to come to these meetings. But I don't think that we really understand who we are. I don't think we really understand our condition. I was standing up in front of that church. I was leading out in Revelation seminars, giving Bible studies, doing the best I knew, but I was doing it off of old steam, not off of present experience with Jesus Christ. I was doing it off of knowledge because I had no time for Jesus. My wife and I began to realize that we were not who we thought we were. When God put us together in our quiet place when our house was being built... When I wasn't gone for eight hours of the day, we started having to spend time together, and you know we found out what we were really like? (laughs) We lived in a fifth-wheel trailer that was 35 feet long with a family of five, and you find out who you really are in that condition, friends. God put us in a space where we couldn't hide from each other. We never knew we wanted to (laughs) until we started seeing how ugly self can be from God and I said thank you Lord Amen. I didn't feel like it at first and I have to tell you that the the, the devil gave me one of the biggest distractions when we moved out after three months I got an, offered a position to be a pastor in a rural district mm-hmm. do you think my flesh wanted to jump for it, mm-hmm.
2: it
0: did. right in the midst of coming to see who I really was and how ugly myself was do you think I wanted to jump for it My flesh did. Secretary of the conference said, It's in the country. You'll be able to accomplish your goals. You know what God said? Be still and let me show you who you really are and who I really am. Brothers and sisters, I knew that God was calling to me. And so my wife and I made an agreement to study the desire of ages together. I said, never again do I want to find us where we don't know each other's spiritual condition. And we began to study. We took part of our quiet time in the morning. We were taking two or two and a half hours in the morning. We spent part of that time together studying the desire of ages together to come to know this Savior and how he walked upon this earth as a man in the same power that he says we can rock that life. Amen. And what a tremendous blessing it was for us.
1: You know, when we started studying that, I started finally grasping the truth in a very practical manner. Because I was just good at reading the words and having a theoretical understanding. And as Tom and I began to study this together, I began to gain from his insights. And it helped me to grow. I came to recognize his his talents his strengths that I didn't have and I wanted more of that I learned more from him and then the Lord began to help me to understand and I would see things there that my husband didn't see and we got excited about sharing together do you see now the difference between our original common goal of serving the Lord and now our common goal of seeking the Lord very different and that study time not only drew us closer to our heavenly Father, but that study time together brought us into a deeper love relationship with Jesus Christ. Or I can remember time and time again at the table in our little kitchen, reading through there and just being. Broken by the spirit of God and his love for us and what Jesus Christ went through. And I began to all of a sudden start seeing that there are principles there that apply to me as a mother. And it was exciting. I saw the way Jesus dealt with people, and I began to understand that more practically and personally, and it touched my heart deeper. I began to see that that's how God wanted me to deal with my children. That's how God wanted me to deal with my husband. That's what God wanted to do in my heart. And I tell you, it was exciting. We got excited about our study time together. We looked forward to it. And my husband, who his... His strength is not an early morning riser. That is my strength. I love to wake up in the morning. I wake up with the birds. And in the winter, when the birds don't wake up early, I'm ahead of them. But that's not one of his strengths. But I saw the Spirit of God wooing my husband's heart. He was excited. He was motivated. He wanted that time together. And that experience that we had through that book of Desire of Ages began to knit our hearts together to God as husband and wife and begin to open our minds to a deeper experience that God wanted and was longing to give to us as husband and wife, as parents, and as His children.
0: Amen. For this last 13 years of our lives, our whole study, and I don't want to oversimplify this, but our whole study has been on how to walk with God as an individual, as a father and as a husband, a mother and as a wife. And brothers and sisters, as we have delved more and more deeply into how to live those three aspects of our lives, as an individual, as a spouse, and as a parent, God has opened us up into all the other areas of life. That's right. And as we have been honest and faithful to God in dealing in those areas... He has given us the opportunity to begin to serve.
1: Amen. But we
0: had to seek first and continue to seek. We've not stopped seeking because he says, ye shall seek me and ye shall find me when ye shall search for me with
2: all
0: your heart. I thought it was all back there 15 years ago. I thought it was all 13 years ago. I thought it was all 10 years ago. I thought it was all five years ago. The all keeps it growing, friends. Amen. The all will be different for you today than it's ever been before if you're sensitive to the Spirit of God. The all never stops. We have continued to seek Him with our whole heart. And that heart continues to need Him more and more.
1: Amen. So that was our first common goal. And I, we really want to encourage you today as husbands and wives to ask the Spirit to put in your heart the goals He would have you set in your home. The goals we're going to be sharing, especially the first and second goal, their goals that every Christian home should have in place. Amen. They need to be priorities in our lives in a very in, uh, personal way, a very urgent way, because without Christ, without seeking Christ in our marriage... Our marriages will not stand. We can get along. We can live together. We can stay together. But we will not have a home, which is was our second goal we want to talk about today, to have a home that is a happy home. Do you know what it means to have a happy home? Does anybody have any idea? Did you want to say something? Okay. I'm sure when I say that, a lot of people have different ideas. I had an idea that a happy home meant that I was a happy wife. I was a happy mother, and that is true. But I didn't understand that true happiness does not come by self in control. Do you understand what I mean? Or my selfish needs being met by everybody else. That means everybody does things the way I want them done in the home, and then we have a happy home. That is not a happy home. God wants us to have a happy home his way. He wants us to practice bringing his life into our lives. That was a thought he put in my mind as a mother and as a wife in the home. As I spent that time seeking him, you want to have a happy home? Think what your home will be like in heaven. And then today as you go through the day, you practice living this day like you think you will live in my presence.
0: Now, how many times a day do you think God calls to our hearts to practice living His life? Many times?
2: Absolutely.
0: He's calling to my heart. Many times today, the Lord has called to my heart in specific ways. And if I told you some of the simplest ways that He's called to my heart, but I knew He was calling to my heart. You know that sometimes the Lord may call to your heart Just to wipe the sink off in the bathroom when there are other people that are going to be using it? Is that the Lord? Why? Why would the Lord do that? The Lord wants to have access to us all through the day, brothers and sisters. He wants to call to our heart in every situation. If we're learning, and as Elaine said, if we're practicing, It is practice, isn't it? Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And the more we successfully carry that out, the happier our homes will be.
1: I, I know that word practicing may sound like we generate it, but we do not generate it. The Spirit of God is calling to everyone's heart. He puts a desire there. He puts his thoughts in our conscience through his Holy Spirit. He wants to point us to a better way. Then it is our choice to take up his suggestion. I remember as we read 1 Corinthians 13, we told you the other day, when we were first married, we read that chapter every day because that's what we were told to do. And we could read that chapter every day and we could be reading it in worship and in a spat as soon as worship was over. We could read it and be in a Cold War because we were doing emotion. We were not allowing the Spirit of God to have our hearts. But he says there to us, and the call to our heart as husband and wives in establishing these common goals is to be kind. Love is what? Kind. It doesn't vaunt itself. It doesn't puff itself up. It doesn't behave itself unseemly. And you know the call that came to my heart in making my home happy? You know what the Lord told me? Elaine, I want you to talk nicer to your husband than you talk to your girlfriends. I want you to talk nicer to your husband than you talk to all the people at church. I want you to talk nicer to your husband than you talk to the clerk at the grocery store when you buy your groceries. I want you to talk nicer to your husband than you talk to your animal. Now, that can really hurt. Why do you think God gave me that thought? Why do you think God is putting that in my mind as a wife? Because he knows my human nature, and he knows your human nature. He knows that it's easy for us to be selfish and self-centered. And if we really want to have a happy home, we must accept what God is calling us to, very simple though it be, and say, Lord, you love me, that you will make your gospel that simple for me to understand. And then when I look at my husband, he gives me the words to speak in kindness, in patience, in love, in appreciation, and in respect for my husband.
0: It does work both ways, doesn't it, men? (laughs) Isn't God asking us to give our wives more courtesy than we give to our work associates? This is the woman, think about this, this is the woman that we said above every other until death do us part, that we give our lives to here on this earth. Does she deserve husbands? does she deserve as much or more as those common telephone conversations? Absolutely. But brothers and sisters, we must cultivate this by the grace of God. It is not in us naturally. The saddest thing that we see as we travel in various places in this country and around various parts of the world, the saddest thing we see is that people are more willing to offend God and their own spouse and their own children than they are to risk offending a neighbor, a pastor, their boss, their friend. Why is that, brothers and sisters? It's because we are more willing to put on for those people out there what we have not been willing to allow Christ to put in us in the homes. And God wants to reverse that program. Amen. And God is able to reverse that program and make happy homes. We have a happy home by the grace of God. Amen. You know, it was a joy to my heart when my oldest daughter said, if there was no heaven to look forward to, I don't know where this thought came from. If there was no heaven to look forward to, I would not want to live our lives any different than we live them right now. Amen. She wasn't saying that we can't improve. That's right. In fact, the other day I was talking about seeing if they wanted to sign a contract, if they'd stay in the home until they were 30. <laughs> now, Jim's trying to get his boys to stay till 40. <laughs> He's going off the Isaac principle, and we're going off, I said... Christ is our example, so I was going off that one. <laughs> anyway, we were just having fun. It was my daughter's 18th birthday. We were just sitting together and talking and enjoying our company together. And she, she turned to me and she said, Father, you don't need us to sign any contracts. She said, I don't want to leave home. I said, that's better than a contract. <laughs> We don't have to have homes that are a drudgery for our children. Amen. We don't have to wear smiles out here at camp meeting and then when we go behind closed doors, we drop the face and we drop the voice and we're different people. That is not what our children need. That is not what our wives need. That is not what the husbands need, friends.
1: I want to share with you some other ways that the Lord has shown me in my life that what things i can do to make my home happy because i want to have a happy home i don't want to live in a selfish self-centered gnarly atmosphere where it's cold and calculated and insensitive where there's bitterness and strife and animosity i tell you it is a joy for us to be together we love it We love being at home. We love being together, even if we're not home. God wants to make our homes a happy place. And one thing he showed me, besides how I speak, and the reverence and the respect and that that I just shared with you, is my countenance in the home. Do you know, we can go through our home and we can have a very serious, straight um, face, and we can just go about our business, and we can get things done. And we can take care of our husband's needs, and we can take care of the children if we have children. We can take care of the phone calls and the business and the mail and everything else that's involved in housekeeping and homemaking. But we can do it in a drudgery. You know, I have found myself looking at myself in the mirror and being shocked to think, Ooh, I wouldn't want to look at that all day. (laughs) The Lord has impressed upon my heart that we as mothers bear a tremendous influence in our home. Do you know that the mother set the atmosphere in the home? Mm -hmm. You want your home to be happy, then you can have the love of Jesus begin to fill your heart, and you can think about his joy, what he wants you to do, and you will find it a joy to obey. And you can look at yourself, in fact, you know, I've always said, and i said it in many other messages, practice smiling in your home. And if your jaw's hurt after one day, you know you do not smile enough in your home. (laughs) Because just a little smile, it doesn't have to be a foolish laughter, but a smile is a tremendous encouragement, isn't it? It's a little thing, but it makes the home atmosphere very different. And I know I've talked to many wives And you know another thing the Lord has shown me? Appreciate my husband's strengths. Stop focusing on his weaknesses. Don't think evil. Remember in 1 Corinthians 13 it says, Love thinketh no evil. Why is it that our humanity wants to find the fault in our spouse and spend the majority of our mental energy hashing over their faults? And then spreading their faults to everybody else you think that makes for a happy home that kind of a home life drives husband and wives apart and I can remember talking to this one couple and the husband was so focused on the wife's fault and that wife was so focused on the husband's fault that 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 was the main conversation that they had together that was the conversation they had with others and they were frustrated. They were actually in a physical separation because they just were at odds with each other. And they kept calling and saying, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I kept helping the wife say, stop looking at your husband's fault and start saying, what does God want me to do? What does God? How does God want me to change in the home to make my home happy? And she would listen and say, yes, but my husband, and she would take right back off on her husband. And I finally stopped after a few weeks of these kind of phone calls coming back and forth, and the Lord just impressed me. Just ask her, do you even want to be married? I mean, we had to get down to the basics. Hmm. Do you even want to be married? That's the first question you must answer because you're not even dealing with the the basics. And she was silent on the phone. And she thought for quite a while, and she said, yes, I do. Then I said, stop thinking about your husband's weaknesses and start saying, God, how do you want me to change? And may it, to, right now, they are back together, and we praise God. Amen. And they're trying to build their home again. But let's make our homes happy by focusing and appreciating the strengths in our spouse, and God will help us, and he will help our spouse to overcome their weaknesses.
0: You know, sometimes there are circumstances that arise where there is a need, maybe a wife, and I was in a home one time doing meetings, and the wife was constantly talking about the faults of her husband to her children, to us. And as we found out later, she was talking about the faults of her husband to people she shouldn't have been talking. Now, it's one thing, if you can find someone that is going to give you godly counsel, okay, that's principle. You may share in confidence, but if you're going around talking to everybody who has a listening ear about your problems, you are making a very big mistake. Mm -hmm. Because by beholding, not just what's out there, but by beholding what you keep saying with your mouth and hearing in your ears, you're going to keep a cycle going that's going to come to the place. And I'll tell you something, I was in that home and that husband, even though he was not professing to be a Christian, he actually left the church. He, I went for a long walk. That man was more of a Christian than his wife. She was out talking about it to everybody. Is that going to restore a marriage? No. There is a place for appropriate counsel. There is no place for going and having a sympathetic ear to everybody to listen to your sob story.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because it will destroy, it will not restore. That's where we break the sacred circle, brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't just happen from the wife's side, it can happen from the man's side as well. Mm-hmm. We need to stop that cycle and start saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? Because He will. He will be a personal Savior in that situation. <coughs> The third area that we set as a goal, a spiritual, eternal goal, was for our children to be in the kingdom of heaven. Is that an eternal goal?
1: Absolutely.
0: Is that worth giving everything we have to? I'll tell you, friends, I used to think that before, but I believe it with all my heart. And I'll tell you that if God calls upon you to give everything, I'll tell you the first thing He's going to ask you to give. Yourself. Mm -hmm. God called upon our hearts as parents to give ourselves to our children first. Don't give them your religion before you give them yourself. Amen. If you want your children to be by your side and to love to be with you and to love God then we have to teach them how to give themselves in the best way is by what? Our example. Is that the best way? If you want to teach someone how to dig a hole, if I want to teach my son how to dig a hole, what's the best way? Get a book out and tell him, now here's what it says in the book. (laughs) Get out there with a shovel and give him a shovel and we'll work together and he'll learn how to dig a hole. We need to give ourselves to our children first. And if we will give ourselves to them, then we can give them what's working in our home. And they will want it.
1: You know, when we began to understand that back that Friday evening, when we were on our knees before the Lord, because we recognized the goals we had set, even though they sounded good, they were too generic. They were not specific. And they were not changing our lives. They had no real power in our lives as motivators. But as God began to work in our hearts and we began to recognize the need to give ourselves to our children. You know what my husband came up to me with a few days after that? Honey, let's homeschool the children. And I must admit that I thought, I can't do that. I'm not a teacher. I'm a nurse. I don't know how to teach my child. And I was fearful of that. I wasn't sure I wanted to do that. I was only understanding mothering at that point just a little beyond my physical presence. It means I needed to interact with my children a little more. But the thought of homeschooling them, I thought I was overwhelmed. And then my husband said
0: to me, See, somehow God in his mercy put it in my heart. And I said to her, Honey... Who is most interested in our children? Her. I mean, doesn't God put within a woman that special bond? I said, honey, there's nobody better to teach our children who has our children's interest in mind than you. I said, you can do it. We'll do it together. We'll do whatever we need to do. But I don't feel like I want to put our children in that school. I won't tell you what school it was.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but do you understand that? I said, we don't want. We don't want to thrust them into that environment. Do you want to homeschool your children? It's not a requirement. It's not a moral issue, but in our hearts, God put it there to say, we felt it was the best you know for so long many of us have just worked off of the good and sometimes the better god is asking us to reach for the best now not every person is going to be able to homeschool okay but please don't bypass it without seriously consulting the lord because it's the best opportunity to have the closest interaction. And it doesn't take much for us to look around at the schooling today and say, do I want my children to learn all that with their reading, writing, and arithmetic? No. We don't want that, do we?
1: When Tom said that to me, it just sparked an interest in my heart. My whole motivation that Friday night was to see my children in the kingdom of God. And I recognized that day that he made that comment about homeschooling who cares more for our children than you do? There's going to be no teacher, no mother, no parent, nobody that has the depth of love and desire in their heart for my child or my children than what God has put in there as, my, as a mother. And that was such an encouragement to me. That was my motivation. And I saw it and I said, That's right. And God took that love, that mother's love that he put in every mother's heart, and he began to stimulate that love on a deeper and more powerful level. He gave me the confidence I needed. I stopped my work. By this time, we're out in the country. I wasn't even working. And I began to pour my heart into education. I began to read inspiration on how it is to educate our children in the home. You know what I came to see? And I have a new definition of true Christian education. It is to teach our children to know the will of God and to do the will of God. And if that's all we accomplish in our homeschooling, God will make that successful. Because if we teach our children how to know God's will and how to do God's will, they are limitless If God, as they are children of God. They're in His control. And so I found that love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, it says, Love hopes all things. Love believes all things. Love bears all things. And I saw that becoming a clear understanding in my mind. I had new hope. I had confidence that God would help me. And God has helped me. I've made many, many mistakes. I haven't always been the right influence in the home. Sometimes I haven't even understood the scholastic lesson I was to teach. But God has helped me to grow through each one of those And as I'm willing to surrender my heart to him because of my love for my children and my love for him, he not only makes our home a happier place, but he is helping us by his power to prepare our children to be children of his kingdom.
0: The last area that we want to talk about today, it takes us just one layer deeper in what we just talked about, and that is in parenting our children in agreement. Now, that sounds easy, doesn't it? If we're married, we should be in agreement.
1: We read the same counsel, shouldn't we always agree?
0: (laughs) Parenting in agreement is vitally important. Now, that is a work of grace. And it's a work of faith in cooperating with God because we are different people. And you've heard us say this before we are not to lose our individuality or merge our individuality in another. That means that she's going to have one way of looking at something and I'm going to have another. But if we are both willing to surrender to the call of God, God can bring us together in true unity. Romans 15.5 says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you like-mindedness one another. In who?
1: Christ Jesus.
0: In Christ Jesus. Where does it come from? Christ. Like-mindedness only comes when she's willing and I'm willing to come under the mind of Christ. And brothers and sisters, we need to deal honestly with one another in this. We need to deal honestly as husbands and wives with this. God will bring us into like-mindedness. Tell them what like-mindedness means in the parenting setting.
1: means for us that we have the same sentiment or desire, and that is to do the will of God. That means that if I see something and I think I'm right in how the children should do something or what they should not do, and my husband has a different perspective, like-mindedness means that we're willing to go to the Word of God, to inspiration, And we're willing to look there for him to teach us and to show us what is the truth concerning the matter. And we've made an agreement in our home that we will not end in a disagreement, and it's my way or his way. We've made an agreement in our home that to have this unity in our home as parents, to have an agreement before our children, that we will not make a decision... Until we have first sought counsel of the Almighty who has all the wisdom and all the understanding and all the practical implementation of that to teach us. And we've found that when we've been willing to surrender our hearts in that kind of a commitment that God has brought our minds to see things in a similar manner. Now sometimes Tom still sees them with greater strength than I might. Or I might see it with greater strength than he does. But he brings us into harmony and unity, and we work through it. His ideas and, and my thoughts, from what we've come to understand, mix and blend it together to be the uh, example in the home government.
0: So we used to just get into a situation where I know that my way is right. That's, isn't that what self says? I wouldn't believe it if it wasn't right. Right? I mean, do you just go around believing things just for the fun of it? I grew up believing this. This is what I learned in my home. She grew up in a different home than I did. And we used to come... To each other and it was a back and forth and she had her ideas and I I had mine. And if it got out of hand, I'd finally say, look, who's in charge here? He
1: did say that on more than one occasion. Now, I
0: never said that in the spirit of the Lord. That's right. Ever. It usually came down to one of these things where I'd say, go read Ephesians
2: 5.22.
0: Okay? The Lord did not bless that. But sometimes they would end that way. Okay? But God has shown us and God has shown me that if I want to really love my wife as He loved the church, I need to be willing to see what He really says. And I found out that there are times that we go apart instead of going into a head-to-head like we used to in the past. Now we, we say, let's just take some quiet time. This is not going to happen in front of the children. Let's take some quiet time and let's get on our knees. And when I say on our knees, maybe that's going for a walk. Okay? I mean, let's get on our knees in our hearts before the Lord instead of being up on our high horse. Let's see what God has to say. And brothers and sisters, He will communicate His will to us if we're willing. Too many times we're not willing Too many times we say, I'm going to do it my way. And if you don't see it my way, we're going to fuss and pout about it or whatever, however you react to it. If we're willing, God will show us his way so that we can be united as parents in raising our children.
1: Do you want to have common goals in your home? Do you? Do you see how God can help to change our hearts and our thoughts, even our motives? And he can take two individuals that are raised on the opposite side of the country in a totally different setting, one from the suburbia, one from the country, one with parents that had certain perspectives and the other one with parents with different understanding and perspectives, different home governments, and he can bring those two people together in holy bonds of union. And he can make us one. He has goals we need to set in our homes. We've shared just four simple ones today. Two of them apply to every married couple here. The last two apply if you have children or if you're planning on having children.
0: And notice that all four goals, all four goals that we discussed deal with a personal commitment to God first. And if you really make that, If you'll honestly make that commitment, then you will have a personal commitment to your spouse like you've never had before. And you and your spouse will have a personal commitment individually to God, together in union and harmony with God to your children. And then, as God sees fit, then you will serve in a wider sphere. God is calling us to marriages that are heart to heart I want that kind of marriage you know it's a blessing i was talking to someone today and i said to them there's no one on this earth that i'd rather be with than my wife and i said when i was talking to the gentleman i said it's a blessing to be able to say that and mean it from the bottom of my heart amen because my wife used to have to vie with a lot of things she used to have to vie with my sports She used to have to vie with my old friends. She used to have to vie with all kinds of things to get part of me. Now, I wouldn't want to be with anybody else than my wife if I had that choice. I love to be with her. You can have a marriage that's heart to heart if you will give yourself completely and unreservedly to what God is asking you to do.